everybody's doing this morning. I hope you're all doing wonderful. I'm your host, Dr. Daff, and you're listening to The Dr. Daff Show. We're continuing our book review on understanding the purpose and power of women. We started our chapter last week talking about the women's communication style, and we are going to continue that conversation. And if you don't have this book, I would definitely recommend that you pick this book up. It is written by the late Dr. Miles Monroe, and it's a book that talks about God's design for female identity. This book is so powerful. It is so deep. It pulls real life situations and it integrates it with things from the Bible and just gems for you to hold on to about understanding yourself as a woman and also understanding men. If you are married, this is a very important book for you to pick up. Although I'm going through the book, I leave a lot out because I obviously am not going to read the entire book on the podcast. And I also want you to be able to support the author and this work because it's important. So just know that as we go through this, a lot of it is me summarizing. I definitely skip over a lot of things, so it is worth you still picking up. And for those of you who have read the book and picked up the book, thank you so much for doing that. It does bless not only yourself, but it also blesses God's work. And you are definitely repaid for sewing into such wonderful work. So we talked about how women and men communicate differently, and we're going to continue talking about that. So let's go ahead and talk about it. We're going to talk a little bit about women's insight and discernment. As a woman, this is something that is so beautiful. It's not unique to just us. Men have it too. But we hear this a lot, like a woman's intuition and how women can just sort of like pick up things and know things and sometimes even be really like spiritually sensitive to things that God is impressing on us. And we share those things. And a lot of times for men, it can be really weird and they can sometimes make it seem like we're crazy or we're just like looking into things too much or we care too much or we're sliding our own like feelings into things and sometimes it's really not that I've met people and as soon as I meet them I know right away like I I can see exactly what kind of person they are I can pick it up and sometimes I'll ignore it and I'll just kind of let things play out but if it ever becomes an issue where I'm like okay you know what I can't have this person around me or I can't have them around my family around my child around my husband whatever it is around my money, whatever it is, I will cut that cord immediately. Um, Because it's something that God gave you. It's not wrong. And many men, even though they may have it, they ignore it. So that is something that is beautiful about us women is our intuition and also just our discernment, which is different than intuition. Discernment is a different, completely different, um, tool than intuition is. And there's an example that he gives us in the book about Pilate in the Bible. If you are not familiar with the story of Jesus when he was here on this earth and the way that he died, he was crucified. So he was killed and it was a punishment based on the people saying that he was 
pretending to be God, blaspheming God, and they pressured, they pressured Pilate, they pressured him to kill Jesus, even though they knew he was innocent. And so in the book, he talks about how Pilate was thinking himself, like, I don't really want to kill this guy. He's innocent, right? But the people were pressuring him. And then his wife comes to him and says, listen, don't have anything to do with this Jesus guy because he's innocent. And I was tormented last night in a dream because of him. I don't want anything to do with his innocent blood. So this was her own sensibilities. This was her discretion, her discernment. This was her being wise and telling her husband something. And she wasn't necessarily saying it in a way where she was trying to tell him what to do, even though, I mean, essentially she was telling him what to do, <laughs> but she was trying to give him advisement based on something that she'd experienced and felt deeply in her spirit. And instead of him taking a step back and saying, you know, let me go ahead and like think about this or, you know, let me figure this out, he went off of logic because the crowd was getting so rowdy and so ridiculous. He thought, if I just solve this problem with this Jesus guy, I can get my people to relax and the city will be like back to normal again. I don't want this drama on my hands. So he ended up being swayed by the pressure and ordering Jesus's death. He may have justified his decision by telling himself that it was logical keeping order for Rome and making things easier for himself should take precedence over preserving the life of one innocent man. That's what he was thinking. Even though Pilate knew Jesus had done nothing wrong, he still had him crucified. And what it means by crucified is it's not just like a regular death. When a person's crucified, they are nailed to a cross. Their hands are nailed. Their feet are nailed together. It's a horrific, gruesome, embarrassing way to die. It's worse than just killing them with a sword. It's a slow, painful, horrific death. And he knew he was innocent and still listened to the people. He would have done better to have listened to the instincts of his wife. And men need to learn to be open to communication from their wives and from the other women in their lives. God gave females to males so that men can have balance, so that they can have the benefit of a woman's sensitivity and feeling. It is very easy for men to make a decision and not care about what anyone thinks or who's affected by it. This is why it's good for a man to have the other part of him that says, what you're planning to do might be right, but the way you're going to do it is wrong. Perhaps consider this. And really, it's all about the way that you say it, ladies. And this is something I had to learn. The reason I had to learn this is because I did not grow up with men. My father was not in the home. I did not have any brothers growing up. I had no men around me. I never got to watch the interaction of how a woman talks to a man, how a wife talks to a husband. It was completely foreign to me. All I knew was TV. And on TV, women are extremely disrespectful to their husbands. And it's not the way that I would want to order my home, but that's all I had. So when I was engaged, I had a woman, she's still in my life, 
from my job who I watched her life. Like I, there's some women, I'm very particular about this. Women who live these like really beautiful lives where they're at peace, they're happy people, they're positive people, they don't get into the drama. And I watch, you know, how they carry themselves, how they dress. I watch everything. And the next step is I watch their husband and their interactions with their husband to see what kind of husband they have. And when it lines up beautifully, like when they have a wonderful husband who genuinely loves them and they are these beautiful women with beautiful families, I'm drawn to them because that is so rare to me. And if I have access to people like that who are ahead of me, I like to learn from them. I like to humble myself and say, what can you teach me? Because I do need to learn. I want to have a really solid, happy marriage that pleases God, right? So I had a woman like that in my life from my job when I was working as a psychologist. And I had to actually just ask her. She's, she was just so sweet. Like she would always just want to spend time with me. And I was still new to the job and she was just always so loving and open. And she is one of my dearest friends now. But I had to ask her a lot of questions without feeling stupid and just get the answer because I needed to know, how do I suggest something to my husband without coming off as like being combative? And she'll say, well, you know, I say things like, hey, honey, have you considered this? Or, hey, honey, you know, um, do you think you could help me with this? Or, you know, the way that she would phrase it would make so much more sense to me. And I'm like, okay, let me try that. And I would see what worked with my husband. And then I would also just kind of know like, okay, this is the overall strategy of how to say it. And I can kind of tweak it to how I speak. Right. And that changed so much for me in my marriage, learning how to suggest something without seeming like I'm telling him what to do or I'm not being submissive. Right. And for you ladies, if you don't know how to do this, this is something that I think is so important to try to learn by talking to women who are of God, you know, who value the word of God and who value being married and love, genuinely love their husbands and love being a wife. You know, you can talk to a lot of women who are married and you will get awful advice. Or you will get advice that is not of God. It's so important that when you do see women that you admire their life, their marriage, and just what they offer, that their advice lines up with the word of God. Okay, it's so important. So these women that he's talking about in the book, Pilate's wife, and then he talks about Abigail, these are examples of women who had wisdom, had knowledge of the right thing to do, even though their husbands were not doing the right thing. And some people would say, well, that's not being submissive, right? And I mean, in some ways, you're right. Maybe that's not being submissive to the way you see it. But everything comes down to how things are done. And God has a different system of looking at things when you are doing things the right way. Even though it may not be like the textbook definition of what you think submission means, it doesn't mean that God doesn't see it in a different way because we are not God. 
we don't understand God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And I know so deep in my spirit, I know so deep in my spirit that God is not like how he, we think he is. Jesus is not like how we think he is. And if we met him right now and had a conversation about a lot of things, he would say things that we did not expect him to say. I know that for a fact. So a lot of things that we try to like say, because there's so much, there's so much in the Bible that God put in there, made sure was in there for us that we think is just like wild and we're arguing amongst ourselves about it. But God's like, actually, like (laughs) I actually wanted Jesus to come through the line of a prostitute. I actually have no issues loving prostitutes. How many prostitutes are in the Bible? So many prostitutes are in the Bible and they're not talked about in an awful way. I'm not saying God wants you to be a prostitute. What I'm saying is the way we look at a prostitute and the way God looks at a prostitute are very different. The way we're judging them, which we have no business doing, and the way God sees them is very different. And I'm saying all of this to say that there are so many things as women that we need to be doing differently and we're so some of us are so caught up with like following the bible in a very religious way that we completely miss it we completely miss it when the woman when jesus was talking to the woman at the well in the bible who had what seven husbands did she have seven husbands and she was talking to jesus and jesus was like telling her you know, (laughs) I know your business. Like, I know you had seven husbands and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. He could have gone on about how it's so wrong for her to have had all these husbands and this and this and this and this and that, but he didn't do any of that. He was not even thinking about that. He wasn't thinking about that. I heard one woman say, and I thought this was so deep because I was like, she is so on point with this. She was like, Jesus was thinking, look, if you can get seven husbands, then you know how to influence people. So I'm going to go ahead and give you this information because I know you're going to go tell all these people and you're going to influence them to believe. See, Jesus looks at things differently than the way we look at things. We look at things and we see the problem, the negative, the the ugliness. We judge. we're, We're cruel. But Jesus sees our heart. He sees the motive. He sees the end. And that's the way that he deals with us, you know, and that's why it's necessary that what, whatever you're doing, you always seek the Lord. So many women turn their eyes away from their husbands doing really bad things because they feel like, well, it's not my place. I have to be submissive. I have to, I have to watch him abuse our child or, you know, be completely inappropriate because I have to be submissive and it's wrong. Like you're, you're literally being a part of his sin because you are watching something that you know is wrong happen right in front of you. And God sees that. And that's is something God does not like. And um, I don't even know why that came over me. It must just be the Lord really pressing in on this because um, I did not have that planned out to say. 
but someone out there listening to this needs to hear this and needs to actually take some action. Not just hear this, but take some action and seek God and get the help and get things taken care of in your home. Back to the book and talking about Abigail. For those of you who don't know who Abigail is, Abigail was a woman in the Bible who was beautiful in the way that she handled a really hard situation. David, King David, and his men had been looking over and like protecting her husband's sheep and their men. And he wanted some food for his men. And he asked, Abigail's husband and he refused and so he got angry and was planning on actually just destroying all of them Abigail's family all of them right so when Abigail heard about this she went to David and she appealed to his sense of justice and righteousness before God and his compassion and when she appeal to David. She brought him food and brought his men food and all of that and helped them out. And he decided that he wasn't going to destroy her and their family um, because of what she did. And her husband, who was really mean, a really mean man, ended up dying right after that situation. And David ended up marrying her. But the point is that she took the situation into her own hands because she saw that her husband was a fool and her husband was about to get them all killed because of his foolishness and his meanness, right? So she took it into her own hands. So she's a good example of someone who understood how to communicate with another based on knowledge of the other's outlook. She knew just what to say to David that would get his attention, resonate with his deepest convictions and get through to him. Another example of this is Moses. When Moses was with the Israelites and he was freeing them from Pharaoh, freeing the slaves, he got to the Red Sea. And when he got there, it's like, okay, you freed us. And now we're at this huge sea. We're about to die. So you pretty much freed us for nothing. What are you going to do? Like, that's a very scary situation. And they were panicking. And Moses exercised leadership when he didn't give in to the panic. So this is an example of a man using his heart, but using the logic in the situation, right? So he exercised leadership and didn't give in to their panic and said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Exodus 14, 13, and 14. And I love that passage. This may be something God is actually speaking to you right now about your personal situation. So I'll read it again. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You only need to be still. Instead of letting your emotions control you, instead of running around like chickens with your head cut off, stay still and trust the Lord. The woman's hidden thoughts. 
When a woman is under stress and wants someone to empathize with her so that she doesn't feel so alone in her difficulty, she may say something to her husband like, your parents are coming for dinner tomorrow. The house is a mess. We don't have any groceries. The kids have been underfoot all day and I just cannot do it all. Her husband, who's a thinker, will immediately try to come up with a solution, right? Because that's what men do. They're logical. They are solution-based and they're not, they're not with all the emotional jibber-jabber. And so the husband might say, well, what if I go buy some groceries? And then the wife says, no, I have to do that tomorrow when I know what I'm going to cook. And then he says, well, then why don't I just take you and the kids out to dinner so you don't have to worry about that tonight? And she's like, no, we can't be out all, we can't be out late. The kids need baths. And besides, I have to use up the leftovers. So then he says, well, okay, then let me straighten up a little bit then. And she's like, no, I need to do that. You don't know where everything goes. I know where everything belongs. By now, the man is totally exasperated because He's trying to help his wife, but she's rejecting all of his suggestions. He doesn't realize that what the woman wants is for him to take her in his arms and tell her how much she's appreciated. While she would also appreciate his help, she first needs emotional contact with him so that she can be emotionally stabilized. Then she'll be able to tackle the other problems and they won't seem as insurmountable. What she was thinking was that she could handle things if she received some love and affection from her husband. What she expressed was her overwhelming feelings of overload and fatigue, which her husband interpreted as a need for him to solve her problems by taking action. So you see how something like this could happen and maybe has happened in your life with your husband, especially if you are blessed to have a masculine husband who sees your needs and wants to address them immediately. And I have to say that because not all of you have masculine husbands and some of you do, but you're not grateful for that. So I do need to be explicit that that is a blessing. It is a blessing to have a husband who is ready and willing to tackle your problems and tackle the family's problems, right? Um, but the way that you express your desires can be difficult because as a woman, sometimes we're just so stressed and emotional that we don't even really know what we need in the moment. So when he's saying, okay, let me do this. Okay. Let me, it's like, no, 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 no. You can't help me. You can't help me. Like you just can't just stop. Right. But really you need some form of help. And sometimes you do need a hug. You just need a hug, babe. Everything's going to work out. Don't worry about it. You know, sometimes you may need some words of encouragement. Like in the book, he says that, you know, she just may need a hug and that emotional connection will kind of fuel her to tackle the issues. Personally, I think that sometimes it's different things. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a word like, you know what? Don't worry about it. They know we have kids and the house can't be perfect. Just do your best. Like for me, that would actually make me feel better than a hug <laughs> because I need to know that it's okay for it not to be perfect. Um, and I'll probably, and I'll end up making it perfect. I will, but just hearing that it's okay, it doesn't have to be perfect will help me ease my emotions. So it's the same issue of emotions, but it might just be a different 
um, avenue of addressing it. Or he might say, okay, babe, well, don't worry about cooking. I was actually going to order food for tomorrow. So you don't have to make a meal for them. Let's just eat the leftovers tonight. And then like I'll order food tomorrow or I'll have a cleaning service come and tidy up, whatever. But he can address the issue in lots of different ways. But if you're not willing to even be gracious for the fact that he's trying, that destroys the communication. It makes him angry. It makes him retreat and you don't get your needs met either. And sometimes it's just not that easy. I remember after having a baby, it was the most difficult time for me because I had to do so much on my own, not because I didn't have help. My husband is so hands-on and has been hands-on literally since my baby was born. From the moment he came out of the womb, he has been so hands-on. But I know that he's not a woman and some of that like tenderness and just some of the things that probably don't even matter, I was concerned about. So he would see me tired, stressed, and he would say, okay, babe, I'm going to take the baby. You go ahead and relax. And I'm like, relax, <laughs> relax. I can't relax. And he's like, what do you mean? And so I'm like, and I'm, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking in my mind, how can I relax when if you take the baby and I hear him crying my relaxation is destroyed because I'm so concerned about why he's crying. Him crying is making my breast leak. Like I'm stressed. I'm stressed. <laughs> so I can't relax. So just let him, let me keep him. <laughs> so, you know, eventually we got to the point where it was like, okay, let's just hire a nanny to help you at night or help you during the day or whatever. Um, because then I know you're getting the help you need from someone who knows what they're doing and, you know, let that be that. But even with the nanny, sometimes I couldn't relax because I would hear him crying and he's, my baby rarely ever cries. So if he's crying, it's like, it's just something you need to know. Like you're just not doing it the right way. That's all. It's something super simple, you know? So it's like, I can, I can get up and I can go deal with this. And then I'm also going to be tired. So a lot of the things we deal with as women, it's just so complicated and it's hard for men to be able to understand that. So when they're trying to help, it feels like they're not getting anywhere because it's hard for us to communicate that. All they're looking for is how am I going to solve her problem? And if you can't even communicate what the actual problem is, or what you need from him, then it becomes difficult. And for some men, if you say, babe, I just need a hug. Can you just give me a hug? They're going to give you a hug, but in their mind, they're still like, okay, but we still have to solve this problem <laughs> because that's how they, that's how they're wired. They're logical thinkers. So we have a job to do and they have a job to do as well. We work together. And that's how God made us to work together. But we operate differently and that's okay. Most of the time, when a man speaks to a woman, he doesn't tell her what he's feeling. This misunderstanding causes what contributes to problems in relationships. 
And then he talks about how he's counseled different couples and the woman doesn't understand the man's nature. So they'll say things like, oh, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't tell me he loves me, you know, and it's not true, of course, but that's how she feels. The man really does feel deeply. Men feel so, so deeply. But a lot of times they really have a, you know, a tendency to bury it deep, 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 deep. Because pulling it out is vulnerable. And sometimes they don't have the vocabulary or sometimes there's wounds that they're working around, right? But men do feel deeply. When they love you, they feel so deeply. Um, the problem is that they don't always say what they're feeling. But what they do say is what they're thinking. Note the difference in his heart. He feels great love for her. But in his mind, this love is not always translated into specific words that he can share with her. So he can be feeling love and enjoying his wife's company. But what comes into his head, which he communicates to her, might be the last business report or something sports related if it's my husband. <laughs> and so men have to learn to communicate their feelings to women. The word of God says that men are to treat women with consideration. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Men need to treat their wives with sensitivity based on knowledge of what their wives need so that they can continuously replenish these needs. I've seen it to be true. The happier the women are, the happier the men are, right? Happy wife, happy life. That's what you hear, right? If the woman's happy, the whole family's happy. There are many men who feel emotions that they have difficulty verbalizing. They are hurting. They feel sad and weak inside. They feel like losers. They are depressed that they haven't been promoted for 10 years and that nothing is working out with their jobs. They feel as if they have failed their wives. They feel bad, but it's hard for them to come up with the words to express their feelings. A woman needs to learn to create an environment that will enable a man to tell her what he is feeling. When she works through this, his thinking, she will find out what he's feeling and she will discover what he is feeling is often very different from what he has been saying. And this is something that you may or may not have in your marriage or your relationship, but think about it. Does your husband or your boyfriend express his feelings to you? And I'm not talking necessarily about always romantic feelings because that can even sometimes be like easier to talk about, especially if the man is kind of like a romantic man himself or he wants to get you in bed. You know, men know how to say what they need to say, but I'm talking just about feelings in general, like feeling hurt or feeling ashamed or embarrassed. Do they talk about how they feel to you? I believe from my experiences and just the experiences of others is that as a woman, you are the one that creates that environment for him to express his feelings to you. Men have to feel extremely safe to share their feelings. And one of the ways that they actually gauge if you are safe, one is the way you've reacted in the past when they've shared a feeling. 
if you've dismissed it, if you've called them, you know, names, if you've done anything to make them feel less than. And the second is how you talk about other people. And this is something I think a lot of women don't pay enough attention to is how you talk about other people. They're listening to how you judge people because that tells them how you will interpret their feelings. So if you are listening to a story about someone, maybe a celebrity or something that happened to someone on the news or whatever, and you make judgmental comments, like, well, wow, that she's really stupid or, you know, that's really lame. You know, if you're saying these like negative things about other people, he's he's taking note. He's like, oh, OK, I see. I see how she is. And sometimes he may argue with you and say, like, well, maybe she was just thinking this or maybe it's like that, you know. Um, or if you see a woman who's dressed really trashy and you make a comment like, oh my gosh, she looks like a slut. Or, you know, you make these little flyby comments, right? He might say, why is she got to be all that? Why is she got to be a slut? Like, why are you saying that? And try to defend her. And maybe you get upset. Like, why, why are you defending her? Or you're just trying to understand how he doesn't see things the way you do. He's taking note of that. He's thinking, oh, this woman, she's really judgmental, you know? And that stops him from sharing personal things and feelings to you because he sees how you are. Even if you wouldn't say that to him, he sees how you are. So if you say something different to him, he may not even believe that's how you really feel. So you have to be really careful. And that's why you have to work on yourself as a person and allow God to work on you, work with you on changing if you're that kind of a person. And if you're saying things like that, you know, um, I would say don't say things like that at all. I would I would pray that the Lord will remove those feelings from you to not even think those things to say, that your heart would be changed to have a heart like Christ who sees people the way God sees them so that you're not quick to judge people on their situations and their lifestyle. But if you're not there yet, then I would hope and pray that you would share things like that with your girlfriends or other people and not your husband. Because if you're not mature enough yet to not talk about people or not judge people, then don't let him see you doing that because that ruins his safety net for you. So that's just a tidbit of of free advice that I really hope you take because he's watching you. Men who feel safe to share these things feel safe because they have a wife or a girlfriend that they believe is truly a sweet, loving person who they can share things with and it won't be held against them. They won't be judged by it and they won't feel less than by sharing that, you know? So, and also to their friends, I think their friends also play a big part in this. I notice men who have friends who are more in tune with their emotional side, who have friends who are mature, who are of good character, good morals, those men tend to be a little bit more open emotionally because their friends are also safe people. So they're used to kind of having a circle of people who are willing to take them as they are.
In addition to having different communication styles relating to what they speak about, females and males also have different styles in the way that they hear what is said to them. What a woman hears is received by her as an emotional experience. What a man hears is received by him merely as information. They have two entirely different ways of processing language that is spoken to them. A man doesn't have an emotional experience when he hears. This is why it's very important for the man to understand the woman. The woman receives language in an emotional way because she is designed to absorb the world around her and personalize it. Before a man speaks to a woman, he needs to think about what he is about to say and how he is about to say it. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? What a man tells a woman will be absorbed by her entire being. If he tells her that rice is a little salty today, as far as he's concerned, he's given her information. It was salty. Yet she can hear all kinds of things in that statement. He just told her she can't cook. His mother's rice was better. He's not appreciative. When she thinks about it later, she starts to wonder if he's been with someone else who can cook better than she can. That idea grows within her. He had lunch with someone at the office. He wants to leave her, and that's why he isn't eating her food anymore. It gets very personal. Three weeks later, they're in a restaurant, and the man says, now this is some good rice. He is dumbfounded when she says in response, you didn't think my rice was good three weeks ago, did you? I'm getting out of here. I'm not eating with you anymore. They have a big fight. Over what? Differences in communication. He thinks it's information and she feels it's personal. How many times has this happened to you, my love? I'm sure this has happened to you in some way or another at some point in your life because we are very like subject to having that spirit of offense. And yes, he's right in the terms in terms of the fact that we as women, like we hear things differently than what's being said sometimes. We read a lot deeper into things, um, but the only reason I said the spirit of offense is because I just wanted to impart onto you how important it is to be aware that this is one way that the devil easily slips into your marriage, into your happiness, is by giving you a feeling of offense, of being easily offended. Being easily offended is one of the quickest ways to be miserable and to ruin your own blessings because people will say all kinds of things, but it's up to you to decide how you're going to internalize that. And everyone is offended at some point in their lives by someone. If you hold on to that offense, it grows and grows and grows and becomes something it never should have been in the first place. In getting married, this is one of the things that I had to quickly decide. It was a choice I had to make. I had to quickly decide that I was going to not be offended off of every little thing that my husband says. My husband and I are literally night and day. We think completely different. He is like on the far, far, far side of masculine and I'm on the far, far, far side of feminine. So our thoughts, the way we express ourselves, just 
everything is different. We've had to really learn how to meet in a way where we can communicate without offending one another. But even at times, like if he were to say something like that, oh, like this rice is salty. In the past, trust me, I'm not cooking rice again for him. Okay. (laughs) He can go ahead and make his own rice if he wants to be a, a rice expert. But now... If he were to say that, would I still feel a little sting? Yes. And that's because I take pride in my own work. Like I want to make sure that when I'm doing something, it's done well. But I will quickly say to myself, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe I need to not put salt in it or or maybe I need to not use this particular spice. Or maybe my hand shook a little too much and too much salt came out. I just remembered and now I have to just say I apologize for that. Either way, I have to learn. I had to learn how to stop doing that, and even how to just force myself to drop something and just let it go. And the way that I was able to do that, for one, is through prayer and asking God, especially for the really hard things, I would just have to give it to God and ask God to calm me down. I would say, Lord, I'm getting so mad right now. Please help me calm down. I literally have to talk to God like that. Like, Lord, please help me calm down. And he always helps. And another thing that helped me is also realizing how much I offend God, how much I do everything that he says not to do. And then I come back to him asking him for stuff or wanting to spend time with him when I have done all these things that he is upset with, but he is faithful to forgive us when we repent, when we turn away from our sins. And every day he gives us new mercies. It says that his mercies are new every day. Every day God gives you that fresh slate. And if God can give that to me, I can give that to my husband. I can let things go. I can decide that he gets a fresh start. And as we know, children are the best reminder of this because children are so precious and beautiful that every day it's a it's a new day for them. They're not holding on to anything from the day before. They are giving you a fresh start. And so I like to extend that grace over because all it does is hardens me. It takes away my joy. It takes away me being beautiful because I don't feel beautiful if I'm upset about something. It it actually makes me feel very ugly and I don't want that. So the spirit of offense is something to pray about. If you feel like you get easily offended, personally, I know people who get offended so fast that I have to watch every single word I say around them. I have to, like, I could not even be talking about them. I could actually be talking about something else, but they will still take offense and make it about themselves. And it's really frustrating. But once I got to see that, okay, maybe this person had something happen to them. And so they've developed this like insecurity, even if the person's older than me, you know, like sometimes you assume person's older than you like they should not be acting like this but it doesn't matter how old they are some people have this issue and it's a real problem but they're so easily offended and you're always walking on eggshells it's a problem so if you have this problem this is something to pray about and ask God to help you with because from experience he will help you he helped me with it and thank God I don't have to be a slave to offense. And even though my husband tries his best, 
he doesn't have to watch everything he says. He can just speak freely and I can decide that I'm not going to take offense to certain things. And that's what I want for you and for your relationship and for your marriage. But of course, men also do need to be careful because sometimes some men are just completely inconsiderate about the way that they say things and they're very hurtful. So that's something that they have to also watch out for. You can also protect yourself ahead of time by choosing not to be a victim to the spirit of offense. On the other hand, a woman needs to realize that when she talks to a man, he only hears information. So vice versa, men hear information. They don't want all the feelings. They don't want all the sadness. A woman sometimes cries and that makes men feel very uncomfortable because he just wants the information, not the tears. And so sometimes men are just like, uh, call me when you're ready to talk, <laughs> you know, because all they hear is emotions. They don't hear anything that can lead to a solution because his response is related to his design. A woman needs to work with the equipment that it's made. She can sit down and say, honey, I have something I want to say to you. I did not appreciate. And it made me really feel less valued by you when you did not open the door for me tonight in front of our friends. I know you didn't mean to do it intentionally, but it's important for others to know that you respect me. I love you very much. And I want to be as dignified as possible to make you proud. That is maturity instead of just like freaking out. And interestingly enough, with this particular example, I have actually been a victim of this. This actually happened to me once when we were out with friends and my husband was trying to figure out something on his phone. And we all got into like um, one of those like SUV Ubers. And he was the first one to open the door in the back seat for me and my friend and her, my friend's husband had already gotten the car, so he's opening the door. Or he's, like, on his phone, distracted. And I, I don't remember what I said, but I said something super rude about him opening the door. And he opened it. And after, he was so upset with me. And I realized, like, I was so frustrated that he wasn't opening the, that he didn't open the door. Knowing that this is, like, out of character, but, like, how could you do this at a time when there's another female like that's so embarrassing and I was only thinking about myself and not wanting to feel embarrassed not realizing that he was occupied and what I did actually embarrassed him and I could have allowed it to just you know play out and then address it later because the whole situation was ruined because of my behavior so this the way she said it is a wonderful way to say it and whenever I have an issue with my husband, I have to say it in the most clear, simple, concise, logical way possible. And I do tell him how I feel. I do say, you know, when you did this, I didn't like it because it made me feel however, because I do think he does need to know that I have feelings and that his behavior affects my feelings. And that usually, I mean, he usually feels so awful when that happens versus me just lashing out or complaining or com or crying or making a big fuss. A man wants a woman's information. He doesn't want her tears because he doesn't know how to respond to them. Most men have no idea how to respond to women crying. 
this is a serious point of difference and conflict between men and women. The woman cries, but the man cannot feel her tears. He feels sorry that she's crying, but he wants to know what he can do to fix things. He wants information. A final aspect of the differences between the communication styles of women and men is that women don't usually forget things, while men generally have to be reminded over and over again. Here again, where purpose is not known, people start to become suspicious of others' motives. The woman may bring up a previous wrong she experienced, and the man will think, what's the matter with her? I did that five years ago, and she's just bringing it up again? I told her I was sorry. I asked her for forgiveness. This happened five years ago. Why won't she just forget it? He's angry at her natural inclination not to forget things. Yet, that is the way she is made. She's designed not to forget. Now, a man may remember facts related to his business, but often he will not remember dates and times and events. For example, a woman may be dressing for an evening out and call her husband, who's in another room. You remember that we're going to your sister's birthday party tonight, don't you? The man will have completely forgotten. He's wearing the oldest clothes he owns, holding a big bag of popcorn, getting ready to watch a big game. And she comes into the room and says, what are you doing? I want her to watch the game. Do we have to go out? I reminded you three times about this party. Why can't you remember anything? Most men don't know the reason why women remember things, and most women can't understand why men don't recall things. It has to do with their purpose and design. Men tend to think about goals and the bottom line, while women tend to remember details. These differences are complementary. However, they can be the source of serious problems in a relationship because when you don't understand the purpose of something, you can become suspicious of it. You can begin to suspect the person you're dealing with has ulterior motives. And I mean, yeah, this is plain and simple communication styles and forgetting things and men with dates. It's a whole thing. Personally, I think that it's great if as a family, you and your husband can meet and have like discussions about what's coming up that week, what's coming up that month, whatever is going on in the marriage with the kids, with your parents. I just think it's nice to have a time to like just stay on top of things. Some men also might think that like if you're spearheading it, then you're controlling him. Um, So that can be a little tricky, but depending on your personalities, that could work out really well. Um, for me, what helps is like having a calendar at home that's in the kitchen where I write down what's going on that week and just hope that he sees it and reads it and, you know, (laughs) actually, um, considers it. Otherwise it's really just kind of like, Hey, remember on Friday we're doing this and just realizing that you have to do a little bit more. So it's just really, um, a matter of realizing your different communication styles, not judging, and doing what you need to do. If your husband needs post-it reminders all over his suitcase, then that's what he needs. If he needs text messages, if he needs you to send him calendar invites, whatever you need, there's no right or wrong. There's no judgment. It's like, just make your marriage work. Just do your part to try to make things work. And Hope that they do their part and pray for them and pray that they see your efforts and actually try. But um, it doesn't help to just be angry that your husband is not perfect. 
<laughs> that just doesn't help you at all. So um, understanding their design helps you to just be a little bit more open to trying different things to see what works for your marriage at this point in your life. And then he ends with the scripture that says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Colossians 3.12 Understanding that God designed females and males with different communication styles will go a long way to helping us bear with one another in love. To react is to take action against someone else before thinking. To respond is to act responsibly in your dealings with another because you understand their motives and circumstances. A reacting person does what is irresponsible by becoming angry or resentful at a person's behavior. But a responding person takes responsibility by seeking to understand the other person and by speaking the truth in love. As redeemed women and men, we are called to peace with one another. What Paul wrote about Christ bringing reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles also applies to the male and female relationship. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians 2.14 So with that said, my love, the purpose of this chapter is to remind you that we are different than men, that we are beautiful, we are created perfectly by God, and we have different communication styles. It is up to you to decide how you are going to communicate to the man in your life and what measures you're going to take to ensure that he understands you based on how God made him. So understanding and loving him and loving how he communicates without judgment is going to open up the door for you to be able to have better communication with him. So I hope that this was helpful to you and that it just helped you to understand why men do and say what they do and how you as a woman can evoke your own needs into him without making him feel less than. I love you all so much and I hope that you're able to gain from this book. I'm excited. We're almost done with it. I know it's been quite some time, but we're almost finished with the book and I'm hoping that it's blessing and opening up your life. I pray that you all have a wonderful week, that the Lord is able to just shine his love and light into you. I hope you know that you are loved deeply, deeply, deeply by God and I love you as well. And I'm so grateful for every single one of you who spends time listening to my podcast. Definitely reach out to me if you have questions or anything that you want to share. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Daff or at the Dr. Daff Show. 
and you can also visit my YouTube channel and watch some other videos there. If you love fragrance and you love smelling good and you want to smell extra yummy this summer, then visit fineforever.com and purchase a beautiful fragrance for yourself or for someone that you love. I hope that you have an amazing week as you can hear my voice is like trying to leave me, but I'm not going to let it. <laughs> I hope you have an amazing week. I love you so much and I will see you in the next one. Remember that in all things you do, make a feminine impression. Bye-bye.